The Old Testament reading is from the book of Micah, chapter 5, beginning with verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 5. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law, then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand as we join together in our hallelujah. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so as we get to this fourth Sunday of Advent, and the words that, that seem to come to us in our readings today is that word peace, especially there in the Old Testament reading where it says, and he will be our peace. Shalom in the Hebrew, peace as we know it in English, and there's an important part of peace as a characteristic of our Messiah, Jesus' presence in our text today. Now, some of us may not have been so familiar with the background of what shalom is in the Old Testament. There's a religious conception of shalom that is a part of God's plan of salvation. All peace, you see, comes from him, and he is also the foundation of all peace. And so if our relationship with God is corrupted, there is no peace. And we certainly recall this as every Sunday we receive that blessing as written in Numbers. Uh, remember, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and what? Give you peace. So there is this connection with peace. And certainly it's evident to the person who God has given peace. Because with peace comes a blessing, comes being guarded, and comes being graciously treated. And so peace denotes really a state or condition of our renewed relationship with God. And so if we to kind of gather all of that together, we remember that who is it that we call Jesus but the Prince of Peace, right? And so he is the one who's going to usher in this shalom among his people, this peace that will be for his people and also spread to the rest of the world. Now, as we move to the New Testament, we also see this presence of peace when Jesus occurs. You see, Simeon took Jesus right in his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. And in the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, the crowds greeted Jesus, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Then Jesus himself says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world do I give you. Let your hearts not be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. And I have said these things to you so that you may have peace. Because in the world you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And then certainly the apostolic writings that we have that compose those epistle writings 
we hear these words, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, peace is an important part of our Christian life. In fact, we might even recall, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, that sort of rings in a Lutheran's ear, right? Justified by faith, right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So peace is an important part of what God is doing for us in Jesus. It has its fulfillment in Jesus. This shalom, this blessing, guardian, and help for us. Well, if we had lived in those hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, rather than 2,000 years after, we already would have known where Jesus would come from, right? The place of his birth. You know that beautiful prophecy that we heard from the prophet Micah? We heard it again this morning. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And so out of Bethlehem, this little backwoods place in Judea was going to come the Prince of Peace, the one who would be our peace. And peace between God and humans Peace between God and creation needed some work because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden and all the sins that have been committed since then had broken that, that relationship that God desired with his people. And so there need to be restoration of peace. And as we hear about this child of Bethlehem, this baby will be our peace, shall bring us back together with God so that once again he is our loving father and we are his dear children, so that we once again receive his blessings, both those right now and those in eternity. And I know that we all desire peace, right? But as we prepare our hearts for the birth of the Christ child, it's important, I think, and good for us to ponder that con context of his coming. We know where Christ will enter, Bethlehem. But where is this peace going to come from? From where can we hope to find peace? Is there peace to be had here? where we have turmoil and tumult and sin upon sin, do we find peace? The place where peace is found is in Jesus, right? Who is born of a faithful Jewish virgin, Mary, as an Old Testament prophecy fulfillment. And she's unknown and unnoticed by those in power. So how can peace come from someone so insignificant? 
I mean, we would expect the Savior to be born in Rome, right? Or some other place of power and authority. But that's not where God has his son to be born. In the Old Testament, God did not use powerful kingdoms like Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon to receive his saving promise and presence. But the nomadic people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God uses the things that are poor, that are seemingly meaningless in this world, to bring about the greatest wonder of all. Which means that for you and I, God can work in our lives, even as insignificant as those might be. No matter what our age might be, or our health, or our financial status, or how much money we have in our checkbook, God can use each one of us. And he does. You see, God's promise of peace comes through the seed of a woman that will reverse the curse that was given to Adam and Eve. And so we see where peace is going to come from. The only peace that is possible for us is that which is provided by Jesus, by God himself. Only that can help us. We won't find it in the places of power here in this world. It's certainly, peace will not come from Washington, D.C., folks. And peace does not come from Social Security. Peace is not found in this world. Peace comes to us as a gift from God. Now, what happens when God gives his gift? As God is apt to do in the most insignificant events come together, and lo and behold, peace has come. The world reacts quite violently. Herod, you remember, who was in power at the time of Christ's birth, ordered the slaughter of all male children up to two years old around Bethlehem. Talk about an evil response to something. And see, yet God spares his son and their family as they zip off to Egypt, no little task, mind you, and then come back after Herod has died. So where is peace going to be found? Well, now it's called out of Egypt and it goes to live in Nazareth. And then that child in Nazareth grows up and he has his own followers as he proclaims and as he calls them. And he calls them with a word of forgiveness and peace. Is there no wonder why people did flock to Jesus? To hear him talk? To hear him proclaim the kingdom of God? Because the world around us doesn't know such things as that peace. And yet, as we contemplate this peace, 
how we see the world twisting and turning, turning against itself. Brother against sister, mother against son. We see these calamities in relationships. And yet, God is still working. He provides us His Son as the Prince of Peace. He's the one who restores our relationship with Himself so that those relationships around us can also be restored. You know, we don't find peace coming from anywhere in our world, but we can see peace at work when we look to Jesus. Because peace intercedes into warfare. Peace is inserted into warfare and brings warfare to an end. So for you and I today, as we consider what God is doing for us, He is preparing for Himself a people a people who are at peace with him and at peace with one another. After all, I mean, we are the people of peace, right? I mean, we say, you know, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Okay. I know I'd gone a little while without a response from you, so we wake you up. But the peace, see, we're people of peace. We share the peace. You know, God's peace comes to us. We share it with one another because God's peace is so important. It is that word which God has delivered to us in his son Jesus. It's one of the words on our Advent wreath as we went through these weeks of Advent. Peace and hope and joy and love. All of these wrapped up as a gift from our God. And so today, let us live lives of peace with those around us. Let us find ways to have conversations that are full of peace. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our minds and our bodies and our living In Christ Jesus, our Lord. See how peace just kind of wraps its way around us. So we are those people. So let us live it. Rejoicing in the gift of peace that God gives. Shalom. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.